So good afternoon, um, program this afternoon. Begin, I'll, I'll give um, a talk for about 45 minutes, and then be um, half an hour meditation, and then question and answer session. Um, the revival of Buddhism in Sri Lanka in the was the end of the 19th century uh, was much thanks to a group of uh, theosophists, um, Colonel Alcott um, and um, her companions. And one of the um, salient features of the way that Theravada Buddhism was presented um, at that time and place um, was very much conditioned by the need to provide a clear contrast to the teachings being propagated by Christian missionaries. So the, um, the tendency was to emphasize the rational elements of Theravada Buddhism and try to uh, hitch Buddhism uh, to the um, dominant, preeminent um, intellectual force in society of, of of science, modern science, and to um, to present Buddhism as a rational religion, as opposed to superstitions of Christianity. So, one result of, of that was that um, the the non-rational sides of Theravada Buddhism were rather devalued and the um, evident and impressive um, intellectual um, satisfactions of, of studying Buddhism um, tended to be, in my view, overemphasized. And the, the fact that any real progress in Tamma requires a balance between the intellect and the emotions uh, was rather overlooked. So I think that um, Buddhism um, has sometimes um, suffered, if that's a good word to use, from um, an over-emphasis on the intellectual aspects of the teachings. For instance, um, chanting is not a, a favorite practice of, of most um, Western Buddhists. And the devotional sides of Buddhist tradition, which are so evident and which are so strong in Asian countries, 
um, tend to be uh, devalued or, or looked upon as kind of secondary, uh, subsidiary practices, not the real, not the real thing. And with um, chanting, for instance, and uh, many modern Thais also feel some frustration on you know, chanting words that you don't understand. Why? Um, what's the purpose? You know, what's the benefit? Um, and that question is usually um, really meaning what is the intellectual benefit from it? And that, of course, is, is not the point. Um, the point is to create uh, certain um, desirable emotions. And the, the role of emotion, of positive emotion, in uh, Theravada Buddhist practice is something I thought I'd say a few words about today. Um, the the Buddha uh, in one of the suttas teaching the monks how to deal with um, fear arising in lonely places uh, would often uh, suggest that the monks meditate on the virtues of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha um, in order to give rise to uh, feelings of um, bliss and um, enjoyment, it's like spiritual enjoyment, if you like, um, which would replace uh, those feelings of fear. In the traditional list of 40 meditation topics, the, uh, the group of uh, 10 meditation um, topics called the Anusati um, meditations, um, I don't think give, get the attention that they deserve. These meditations, um, are based upon using the thinking mind in order to stimulate um, positive emotion. And a positive emotion that arises from a disciplined and focused um, discursive reflection um, on particular Dhamma topics uh, can take the mind beyond the realm of beyond the influence of the hindrances to meditation um, in a very um, swift and effective way. For instance, um, reflecting on the one's good actions, the things in our life that we have done that we feel a sense of wholesome pride and accomplishment acts of kindness, generosity, um, self-sacrifice, helping others, acts of service, 
all these um, wholesome, noble actions that we have performed in the past um, can be um, recalled, brought to mind in the present and create within the mind um, a sense of joy and bliss uh, which has the power to remove um, mental agitation, depression, um, <clears throat> and all of the um, mental um, defilements or toxic uh, mental states, um, which preventing the application of um, other meditation techniques such as mindfulness of breathing, for instance. For the first time we do a meditation like this, it's good to um, spend some time just writing down um, points that come to mind, things that we're particularly proud of in our life. You have to be uh, good and wholesome things, not, not like making a lot of money or, or something like that, but something which um, is uh, selfless, kind, good, virtuous. And then um, say, came up with a list of some 10 points, then say, giving yourself three minutes just to think about each of those points for three minutes. And so the discipline there is to keep your mind within, within that topic rather than uh, focusing on a particular physical sensation such as the um, the point at which the breath contacts the, the, the tip of the nose, for instance, um, we relax that a little bit and have the mind dwell on a particular topic which is clearly circumscribed and the effort to maintain one's mind within that topic is often a more um, effective way of calming the mind than um, stopping or trying to um, avoid thinking at all through uh, meditation on a particular physical sensation. Now if we uh, um, reflect for three minutes on each of ten topics, you've got a thirty-minute meditation there, and by the end of that time your mind will, uh, should be um, very relaxed um, and feeling um, very, um, very good. And at that point, uh, one can turn the mind back to the meditation on breathing, for instance. It will, it will often occur that uh, there will be one particular um, point in those ten points which is, uh, that just brings up a lot of joy and you may even feel tears in your eyes, um, just re remembering that. And, and then you can just take that one point, um, that one uh, topic, that one event, and allow your mind to dwell on it. And, and, you, and you learn skill in stimulating that particular um, sense of joy and bliss. And this is um, a very effective, skillful means uh, for dealing with an unruly, stubborn, uh, recalcitrant mind. It softens the mind um, and 
makes use of um, a something that we um, we already have within us. Um, the sense that you know the fact that we perform uh, good, kind, selfless actions is because within us uh, we do have this sense of the nobility and the beauty of such actions. We have an appreciation of goodness within us. And so uh, from that appreciation of, of goodness, to the appreciation of particular acts of goodness that we have performed, um, is extremely uplifting to the mind. So remember that, that the whole realm of, of, of samatha practice, of, of training the mind, is, is finding um, effective means of um, preventing the arising of unwholesome dhammas, uh, vaccinating the mind against them, as it were, um, and of dealing with or reducing the power of uh, undermining and eventually eliminating unwholesome dhammas, finding ways of bringing uh, wholesome dhammas um, into the mind and developing skillful means to care for them, to nurture them and to, to bring them to maturity and perfection. So this is the underlying structure of, of, our, of our practice and we need a certain flexibility and creativity um, in our approach to that. If we have a very fixed idea, this is meditation, this is my practice, this is what I do, then it will tend to be too rigid um, to be able to deal um, with the various challenges that arise throughout our, our daily lives. So this ability to tap into um, powerful, positive emotion um, is an extremely um, important, skillful means. Um, the other, another uh, one of these reflections is on sila. Um, to to recap on the the, the topic of sila um, or morality, um, Buddhist morality has some unique features um, when compared with the moral codes of the. Uh, great theistic traditions or the monotheistic um, religions in that the, um, there are no commandments, um, there is no concept, no idea of a creator God who lays down a moral code which um, human beings uh, should um, obey and uh, conform to. There's no reward and punishment, um, there is no um, prayer for reduction of um, the results of uh, the unpleasant results of unwise actions. In, in um, Buddhist tradition, morality is considered a training. Uh, it's a way of educating or training our conduct. Um, and it's based upon uh, simple, observable truths um, facts of human psychology and that is that although we cannot through an act of will um, prevent ourselves thinking unkind unwholesome thoughts uh, we do have within us um, a capacity and one which can be trained um, to 
refrain from acting upon those impulses. So he says a practical standard for a harmonious and um, uh, Liverpool uh, community um, or uh, from the smallest community, meaning family, up to a society. This is, this is the principle on which it's based. That is that we can all agree on certain standards of behavior. And then, uh, although we cannot um, promise anyone, we cannot promise ourselves that we won't, for instance, ever think that we would like to commit violence against another human being, um, whether it's physical or verbal violence, uh, we can promise to ourselves and others that we will never act upon those feelings. And so when we live in a community in which everyone uh, makes that commitment, then we feel sense of safety um, and security and mutual respect um, because it's a, it's a workable standard. So, so this means we, we voluntarily, and, and the key word here is voluntarily, Buddhist morality uh, or sila um, has to be voluntary. If, if um, we are refraining from harming, from stealing and so on and so forth, merely through fear of punishment um, or social exclusion, abandonment or whatever, then uh, although there would be positive um, effects on the mundane uh, social level, this would not be considered sila in the Buddhist sense. So sila has to come from the wisdom, the understanding um, of the value of keeping precepts, of training or educating our conduct based upon those precepts. Um, and it has to be also protected um, from um, cravings, from desires, from conceit, um, which can easily um, distort sila. So uh, the Buddha, uh, for instance, said if someone um, leads a good, wholesome life, keeps precepts, um, but on the basis of um, his or her morality, looks down on, on people who don't keep precepts and considers himself or herself as superior to them, then that person is a fool um, and has um, missed the whole point. So, um, sila um, is something which is a practical tool to create the kind of community and society that we all want to live in, where we feel safe, secure, valued, where we are free to give and receive love and affection. Um, and one in, in which the uh, supporting conditions um, allow us um, to practice the Dhamma, to develop ourselves um, most effectively. So if we're living in unsafe environments um, where uh, we feel insecure, where we feel um, <clears throat> we have to always have a uh, looking one eye over our shoulders, never, never feeling that we're completely safe, then the state of mind in which we feel secure enough to let go of internal, quite subtle attachments um, won't, won't arise. 
Um, and I think this is, uh, again, I, I was just very important point that um, understanding, intellectual understanding of, of meditation techniques and um, the, uh, the sincerity uh, and integrity in, implying, in, in applying them um, will only take us so far um, because if we lack the emotional um, stability and sense of well-being, then we'll, we'll reach a wall. It's the wall of fear. Um, because we, um, we lack the, the confidence, and we lack the faith, if you like, um, to uh, jump off the edge of the cliff, as it were. There's uh, defilements, um, the very word, it's not such a good um, translation, really, but the, but the sense of negative uh, mental states as being negative mental states, or as being defilements, or as being toxic in any way. Um, is um, something that, uh, as Buddhists, um, then we can accept um, as a basic uh, kind of intellectual principle uh, underlying our practice for sure. But again, there is some it's something else again to perceive, to uh, to recognize, to have this direct experience of mental states as being a, a sullying or a, um, a distortion or a disturbance of the mind. Here we, we see the role of samadhi uh, very clearly because um, samadhi gives us um, a limited, um, perhaps only temporary access to pure mind to an unsullied mind. And it's only when we have experienced that sense of purity and clarity, um, peace, stability, um, flexibility and strength of mind, which is the characteristic of samadhi, that when negative mental states arise, there is this immediate um, perception of them as being um, a, a sullying or a dirtying or a um, defilement of, of mind. So it's not that we, uh, just the, the recognition or the acceptance of greed, hatred, delusion, all these things is bad. Um, but it's to see the psychological and moral effect of these mental states. And the uh, practice of samadhi, although it is, does not directly remove defilements, that's only possible through vipassana, through panya. Being able to see them in uh, in their true light, or to be able to recognize them, having um, passed through a state in which they are absent, 
but not just absent in the states of forgetfulness or sleep, but one in which one has felt extremely or, or uh, most alive one's ever felt, um, but completely free from or empty of all those negative mental states in which we have formally identified so strongly as part of who we are, that our whole view um, of ourself and of our life is turned upside down. Uh, this is why strong samadhi experiences are often uh, confused with states of enlightenment, um, because it is quite a, a drastic reordering of one's whole understanding um, of, of who one is and what one's life is and what one's doing in, in, in one's life. So here um, I'm trying to emphasize the emotional value, the emotional import of developing samadhi. Um, it gives this sense of inner um, stability um, this kind of mountain-like, rock-like imperturbability of mind. And it allows us to see defilements as not uh, an inherent part of who we are, but something which, things which arise and part away, pass away or uh, come into the mind and stay for a while as a guests of the mind. Um, although um, this is not yet the wisdom level in which can completely eliminate the, those causes and conditions, but it's seeing the conditioned nature of defilement um, through um, experiencing the, the peace and the happiness and the sense of naturalness and brightness and clarity of the mind which is without defilement. Uh, for this reason, the, the Buddha at one point said, if you want to have some kind of inkling or some kind of idea of what Nibbana uh, is like, then a state of samadhi will, will give that to you. It's not Nibbana, it's not enlightenment, but it just gives you like a, a preview, just a tiny idea of what it might be like. Um, so dealing with... Uh, with defilements, the, the thinking mind, the power of uh, wise consideration is um, a fundamental element. The ability to um, benefit from those things which are beneficial. Uh, so the, the Buddha uh, puts samadhiti, right view, at the beginning of the noble path. And um, the, the two most important causes and conditions for the arising of right view, so for, the, for us to enter upon the path, are um, good or conducive environment. Um, and in particular, this refers to the good friend or the Galyanamitta, and secondly, that's the external factor. And the internal factor is wise consideration, um, the ability to digest, inwardly digest, um, the, 
the teachings, the examples, the um, the information that is flowing into the mind through the sense doors, of the ability to reflect upon experience um, is greatly um, uh, greatly emphasized. But the um, wise consideration um, again, it had, there's two channels. Um, the first channel is um, in the uh, follows the path of uh, reducing the negative emotions and producing and uh, um, cultivating positive emotions. So the wise consideration of or recollection, disciplined recollection of the good actions that we performed in the past or our sila um, is using the thinking mind um, but with the um, the result of creating emo- changes in the emotional weather of the mind, the emotional environment of the mind. Whereas the other um, channel through which the wise consideration uh, flows is through uh, direct um, interest in appreciation of the impermanence of life, of the unsatisfactoriness of conditioned existence, um, and of the selfless nature of phenomena. So those things which are uh, providing a bridge to or a foundation for uh, wisdom or vipassana. So I, um, Going back to the, uh, with the sealer again um, that I, I spoke about, um, when we have taken on precepts voluntarily and taken them on as a training of a mind, then when we recollect um, the five precepts one by one um, and when we can recognize that even though on some occasions we were sorely tempted um, and we were in environments in which it would have been a lot easier and there would have been no criticism if we'd broken a precept, that we managed to sustain our commitment um, to the precept through our mindfulness, our, our patience, um, through um, our, our commitment to this training, then uh, joy arises in the mind. So the, the precepts, keeping the precepts, um, the um, bringing to mind in a disciplined, ordered way, um, our experience in keeping precepts purely, keeping them without um, allowing conceit or craving for any kind of reward from keeping precepts, is there um, positive emotion, sense of well-being, sense of bliss, piti, arises in the mind. So goodness that we perform is never lost. I mean, if goodness is there, um, and when we bring it to mind in the present moment, it can have very strong positive um, emotional impact, and, some, and that, that power of positive emotion uh, can be used as a tool, and we can fine-tune and uh, that tool, and we can uh, cultivate our skill in using that tool um, to the extent that when we have uh, problems in the 
application of, uh, say, the mindfulness of breathing or in other areas of our practice, or we're just feeling um, down or uh, depressed or um, overly um, burdened by our, uh, our faults, our, our mistakes, then we can see this as a problem to, to be dealt with um, using the vast array of skillful means which the Buddha provided us. So the, the other um, wise reflection, which is a very powerful effect, of course, is the recollection on death, on the certainty of death, certainty of our death, but the uncertainty as to uh, when exactly we'll die and how we'll die. And um, this is a, uh, brings up a sense of appreciation of our life, appreciation of those around us, appreciation of time, um, and allows us to cut through um, a lot of the, um, the things that uh, we choose to spend our time on. I, I was um, just now speaking with a Thai um, group downstairs and was saying that uh, once we start on this path of practice, it doesn't take long before we, you know, we, we have this sense of uh, wholesome, intelligent sense of, of shame and reluctance to to act in, in selfish, um, manipulative ways, or um, we shrink back from violence and anger and these kind of coarse emotions. But the thing that's most difficult to, um, to let go of um, are the things which are not particularly um, bad in any conventional sense of the word, um, but uh, which eat up time. Uh, we, we just kill time. We waste so much time, even though we're, you know, we constantly list the lack of time as one of our great um, uh, sufferings in life or problems that we don't have enough time. And yet when we soberly look at exactly how we spend our time, we generally have to agree that uh, we do um, spend a lot of time on quite trivial pursuits. And so the sense of what is trivial um, and what is substantive or what is really worth making sacrifices for and what just sort of drags us off in this kind of pleasant kind of uh, uh, haze of uh, sort of uh, enjoyment, but um, just enough enjoyment to uh, to keep uh, to keep us going on to the next um, interesting thing. Through the recollection of death, um, our, uh, our appreciation of our interpretation of what matters and what doesn't matter, uh, what's important and what doesn't, what's not important, is transformed. So the um, emotion is... Um, not something to be looked at in a, a purely negative way or, or emotion disturbs the mind, prevents us from seeing clearly it's a bad thing. Um, yes, certain um, negative emotions definitely uh, do uh, perform that unfortunate um, uh, function in the mind. 
but um, emotion can be used um, in a very um, creative and important way. This is the um, role of faith. Um, Buddhism doesn't uh, give faith that preeminent role that um, it holds in theistic traditions. Faith is considered to be a tool uh, to be used in this uh, training or education, but one which um, must have the wisdom faculty um, overseeing it so that it doesn't uh, degenerate into either fanaticism or superstition. But its positive effects um, are that it clarifies. It clarifies um, our path in life, you know, what, what we're going to commit to. And <clears throat> if you uh, often, I think, uh, most people will agree that uh, when we um, have difficult decisions to make in life, uh, often we, we marshal the arguments, the pros and the cons, and we go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. Um, but in the end, um, when we finally make a decision, it is, to be honest, it's not really because the arguments, uh, the pro-arguments outweigh the cons or the cons outweigh the pros. It's just we get fed up with the whole process and we just uh, go for it. Um, and that's, that's really um, a leap of faith, if you like. But without that, life just becomes too complicated. Um, the... Um, there have been cases of, of people in, in serious car accidents um, who've had brain trauma, and the area uh, of their brain which um, affects emotional responses um, to experience um, are destroyed. So these people become like Mr. Spock. Um, they don't have any emotion. Um, so, um, you know, if you're a Star Trek aficionado or, or someone uh, who, who finds emotions just um, quite threatening or uh, disturbing, we think, well, that'd be quite uh, kind of good way to live life. But it turns out that people who um, uh, suffer this brain trauma become almost completely dysfunctional. Is they, they'll go to a supermarket and look at five or six different brands of one particular thing and and they can't decide. You know, they, they, they choose, should I have this one or that one? Well, this is slightly different and that's like... So it just... Um, and it, it exposes the extent to which we don't actually make these rational decisions. It's more, you know, just uh, responding to... It may be the color of the packaging or, or where, whether it's an RI, same level as our eyes or lower, higher or whatever. But when this... Um, uh, this emotional reaction phenomena is recognized um, and, and channeled. It means we, we see that there are so many different things um, that uh, we could uh, spend time on in our life. And if we were to evaluate them in a purely rational way, there'd be no end to it. But there's that point where we decide, well, um, I'm going to go for this. And this, is, this is what um, faith does. It just clarifies, it simplifies, it chooses 
um, a pass. So if we can educate that through uh, reflecting on uh, Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, um, and develop that emotional relationship uh, to, to Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, then this is very fortifying for uh, the Dhamma practice. Um, through when I was um, when I was a newly ordained monk, and I, I was very fortunate to have the chance to uh, be personal attendant uh, to my teacher Ajahn Chah once, um, and he uh, he said something to me uh, which I won't forget. Well, in fact, uh, he, don't forget anything he said to me, really. But um, this, in this particular case, he, he said, uh, my, my name is, uh, my, my lay name was Sean, but uh, he used to have his own pronunciation of, of English names. So he called me Chorn, which means spoon. So he said, Chorn, he said. Um, he said, Chorn, he said, if you knew how to bow, you'd have tears in your eyes every time. You know, if you really knew what you were doing, if you really uh, knew the meaning of Buddha and Dhamma and Sangha, and you really felt that when you bowed, you'd have tears in your eyes every time. You so. so that, you know, this is... Uh, this is something we, you know, we really need to, I think, recognize that spiritual life and, and life of a monk as well um, we need to enjoy it. We need to be having that uh, emotional um, satisfaction. Um, if monks lack, you know, no matter how intelligent monks are and they've learned, they, they, they know all the books, they've studied Pali and everything, um, but if they don't have that love for the Dhamma, love for monks' life, um, love for this uh, institution of, of the monastic life, and then sooner or later they, you know, they can become vulnerable um, and uh, may end up leaving the order. And uh, commitment to meditation is the same. You know, if it's uh, very, I'm going to put so much effort and I want to see so many results, such a result at the end of such a length of time, um, you're very disappointed and it's not really possible to make those kinds of calculations or, or to run them with those expectations. <clears throat> but when we uh, find a, a sense of love and, and satisfaction, enjoyment of um, the path itself and treading the path, and just feeling that sense of being so honored and so just so wonderful to have this chance to to try this out, I'm not saying I have to be able to experience such a level of peace and understanding and so on to make this worth my while. But when you have that um, um, sense of emotional commitment, which is not uh, completely irrational, it's based upon this wise consideration. So there's, no, there's not this separation, these two are feeding into one another. Um, then that will give the um, ability to sustain one's practice through periods where things are not going very well, where there's a lot of problems, or 
particularly if you've had um, a period in which your meditation has gone very well, then um, if there's a period where it falls apart a bit afterwards, that's, that's most difficult to take. Um, and this is general uh, psychological um, principle. Um, you see this on a social level, um, that if a, a group of people have been oppressed in a society and then their condition improves, and then after a while um, there is a, it declines again, even though um, the regress is still far better than the original state of which they, uh, they were able to endure, um, this sense of having lost some, something they gained um, is in, uh, intolerable. This is a background for riots in, in, in many countries or in the 60s in the LA uh, Watts riots and so on and so forth. The, so always being very careful not to take anything for granted um, and not to think because things are going well now that they should get better and better. This is not like stairway to heaven. It's more like snakes and ladders and you have to be really uh, prepared for that. So when you have that sense of just, just feeling this is uh, just the opportunity to put effort, just the opportunity to, um, to practice in this way, um, is when you really feel that... Um, uh, it's an uplifting feeling and being able to deal with the emotional ups and downs with emotional uh, use, wise use of positive emotion. And then there's a more of a sense of a, a smooth path, so progressing smoothly over an unsmooth path. So there are so many pitfalls and so many um, defilements and uh, from very coarse defilements until uh, very refined and subtle defilements and so as you know as you progress you think things are getting better but it's just you know like a, another layer of um, ignorance and defilement to deal with um, so if the mind is caught up with results and, and wanting to see this sense of constant kind of rational progress, um, then it can be very difficult. But if we take our, our sincerity and our commitment to Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha and to this training of body, speech and mind and to trying to apply the principles the Buddha uh, taught us as best we can moment by moment, um, then I think that in the long run only good will result. So. I've been speaking for 45 minutes now and I think uh, I'd like to end the talk at this point. So, Okay, so uh, we're going to have a um, period of meditation uh, for 30 minutes and then there'll be a short break and then we'll uh, question, answers, discussion session.
So in the practice of meditation, uh, there's a begin with foundation of uh, right view, right understanding, and right intention, right thought. These are beginnings of, of the Eightfold Path. Uh, so right view uh, means that we are clear in our mind that we are devoting 30 minutes to developing the path of practice, uh, to putting effort into development of mindfulness, clear comprehension. Um, we're going to be using the breath as the tool awareness of the breath and that during this period we will not uh, take delight in, we will not welcome thoughts of the past or the future. That is to say memories, um, expectations, fantasies, although we can't prevent those things from popping up in our mind we can be firm in our resolution not to give them a home, not to add on to them, merely to, to allow them to rise and pass away. So the right intention here is um, we are trying to put forth our best effort with each and every breath that we take. We can take each breath as the unit of meditation. So this is not a, uh, strictly speaking, a, a 30 minute meditation, but a meditation of many consecutive breaths. Every breath is a new breath. Every breath is a chance to start again, reestablish attention and to create a continuity of awareness. Now the, the practice is a training of the mind, um, but part of the education, um, part of what we're seeking to learn um, in our meditation is the various ways in which the mind and the body condition each other, affect each other. So we sit um, in uh, the posture which is most conducive to the cultivation of awareness and clarity of mind. And that means uh, a posture which is as straight as possible but uh, without straining or without um, being too tense. And the measure here is that the breath should enter, leave the body in a natural, unforced way. So if the, if the breathing is, uh, is um, troubled in any way or unnatural, then just uh, experiment to find a way in which you 
feel that the breath is normal, natural, um, and pleasant. Um, keeping the body as still as possible also helps to encourage that sense of inner stillness. Um, a good way to begin meditation is to develop some um, body awareness because concentrating or uh, inclining the mind to the um, awareness of the breath at one particular point in the body, such as the tip of the nose, um, can be um, counterproductive if it's uh, too premature, if the mind's not really ready to do that. It's quite a refined level of meditation. So the initially what I would like to suggest is that we are aware of the sensations in different parts of our body uh, which arise together with the in-breath and the out-breath. So as aware of the in-breath, it's in-breath, out-breath, it's out-breath, but uh, acknowledging all the feelings and the sensations um, that are arising in the following areas of the body. So we divide the body into four parts. And we begin by um, being aware of all the feelings, sensations that arise in the head and neck area as we breathe in and we breathe out. So not visualizing the head, not looking for, just being aware to whatever is there naturally in the head and the neck. In the second area, it's the shoulders and arms and hands. So it's a breathe, breathe in and breathe out, being aware of whatever sensations are present Shoulders, arms, hands, fingers. And the third area of the body is the torso, including the chest, the belly, the back, um, from the neck right down to the hips. All the sensations arise with a general expansion and contraction that we can feel so clearly in the torso together with the breath. Now the lower part of the body, uh, the bottom, the legs, the knees, shins, calves, ankles, feet, toes, all the lower part of the body, the sensations that we can experience that are just naturally arising together with the in-breath and the out-breath.
And the fifth and final section is the whole of the body, from the top of the head to the tips of the toes, without choosing any particular area or any particular part of the body. As we breathe in, breathe out, being awake to all the, the mass, the pattern, the flow of sensation within the physical body. So these are the five areas, the head and the neck, shoulders, arms and hands, the torso, the lower body, and then the whole body. And we can use that um, as a basis for being present to the breathing process for a number of times going through one by one, may perhaps um, three breaths on each area or five breaths on each area. When the mind is starting to settle down and finds it a little bit um, tiresome to be constantly changing the focus, then we incline the mind to be aware of the sensation of the breath at the particular point in which uh, we can recognize it most clearly, where it's most apparent, where we feel a sense of ease and comfort. So if we um, are to develop the attention on that particular point and there is a sense of interest um, and enthusiasm, uh, then we have the um, most important conditioning factor for the meditation in place. Um, and then we continue. We may use a, a mantra to help the mind stay with the breath, such as put on the in-breath, toe on the out-breath, or can count the breaths, or merely be aware of the sensation of the breath without any other helping technique. But if the mind becomes very dull or feels constricted or is still a lot of resistance uh, to being with the breath at that point, then we can return to the more relaxed, open way of being aware of the breath together with the sensations in the different parts of the body. As you're aware of, uh, if you've moved your awareness to the 
um, recollection or mindfulness of the breath at one particular point, try to observe and to catch that sense of ease and enjoyment that arises whenever the mind is present to its object and be very conscious of that because that sense of ease and enjoyment um, provides the, the bond which um, allows the mind to stay with the breath because when the breath realizes when the mind realizes that mindfulness of the breathing is inherently enjoyable then its tendency to wander off in search of thoughts and memories um, will be much reduced <laughs>